It's 10 o'clock, and now it's time for our good friend Al Bat with Birding with Bat, one of my favorite people to talk to every week. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful but windy day, so I, uh, I went out and put a new park sticker because the other one wow. had run out to the state park. And, you know, I always leave one corner up so it'll pull <laughs> off easier. <laughs> and it it always sticks. But this time, this year, that corner stayed up, so I was able to just pull it off all in one piece without having to get one of those devices that holds a razor blade or something <laughs> to get it off. So it has been a great day because of that. Small victories is what it's all about, and I was just uh, happy to get that. But well, You know, that's it, a great tip. I, You know, I, I wish I would have thought of that because I'm the same way. I'm like, dang it, I can't get this off. And, and then my husband, who's a chemist, will say, well, you need a solution that will break down this adhesive. Did you try rubbing alcohol or some other solution? So that, you know, being married to a chemist has its... I guess perks. <laughs> it's hard to get that off. I remember years ago, I, I've done that, always left one corner up. So I'm driving around with a grandchild, <laughs> and he's reaching up there and pushing that corner down <laughs> so for me because he didn't want it to fall off, I guess. Right. So I didn't uh, holler at him. I, I, I waited till he was a little older and oh. hollered <laughs> at him about it. So brought up, I remember the time you did this. So oh, funny. Hey, I want to thank everybody at the Cargill Citizens Advisory Group in Blooming Prairie, Good Earth Village, outside Spring Valley, that allowed me to speak at their lunch and learn. And the good folks that are, were booking cruises on the Pelican Breeze. So if anybody's interested, it's a 507 number, but it's 383-7273. 383-7273. Sounds like it should be a radio number, one of those. Al, so tell you know, people what is the Pelican Breeze for those who maybe are listening and they say, Pelican Breeze, what is he talking about? We, uh, it's a natural history tour that we do on Albert Lee Lake and have done for many, many years. We talk about the history and uh, the importance of clean water, plus we uh, talk about the birds and the plants and insects and butterflies, everything that's along that lake, and of course the fish. you got to talk about the fish, the efforts that uh, man has done to clean up that lake, which is uh, rightfully so because we're the ones that mm -hmm. made a mess of that lake and it's a lake when you're driving on highway uh, on the interstate highway 35 and you come up from Iowa and you go over this lake it's a big lake and that is Albert Lee Lake and we do that we do oh it's a hour and a half to two hour tour on there and it's just fun we've had people from uh, every state and a lot of I know we had some folks from Japan and some folks from the Netherlands and China and all over that have been on that boat. So it's a lot of fun. We, uh, we've we stopped walking people on the plank, making them walk <laughs> the plank. So if, if that's holding anybody back, we're not doing that anymore. I don't know why. I enjoyed it. Did that change uh, after COVID maybe? You know, one of those things. <laughs> I think that's it. That's probably what happened. I just uh, we were doing it one day, and all of a sudden we're not doing it anymore. See, Al, I've got a whole bunch of text. I want to make sure we get to them before sure. before you know the show passes. So uh, I've got actually three right now that just popped up here. One is from um, Ridge Runner. He says this past Saturday evening, my wife and I saw a peacock running in a field south of Pemberton, Minnesota. It will be a while before we top that. Now, peacocks—they aren't native at all are they 
They aren't, and I raised them for many, many, many years. Uh, they are pretty neat birds. They they like to fly up in trees and holler help, and they have these beautiful tails that we're all familiar with. They were, uh, ours were misbehaviors because they would not go into their uh, their lodgings at night. They wanted to stay up in the trees and were picked off on occasion by great horned owls would get them up in the tree. Uh, peacocks would follow my little chihuahua around, <laughs> and they just follow him around. They wouldn't say anything, and I'd tell him just ignore them, and they won't do anything to you. But uh, <laughs> if you've had a chihuahua, you know they can't ignore things. And he, my chihuahua shook a lot because he had a keen Aww. understanding of the world <laughs> situation. And sooner or later, he'd snap at them, and then they'd hammer him on top of the head, and then I'd hear, yeep, 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 yeep. <laughs> and so it was, uh, they're really neat birds, so I'm guessing somebody around Pemberton is uh, raising them. Okay, well, here's another one from Rich. Rich said, I had a Grosbeak stop by for two days for some constant singing Saturday and Sunday. Now it moved on. They are a bird with many songs. They're beautiful whistlers. Uh, I always tell kids they sort of sound like a robin who's had singing lessons. And that's cool, Rich. I've not seen one yet. Uh, I have uh, got a call from somebody from Albert Lee who has one in their yard now. And it should be like May 1st when we start looking for them. But I love these. Uh, the rose-breasted grosbeaks are just lovely birds. When I was a little boy, I called them um, uh, cutthroats because they had the red on the neck So, and because I was precious. All right, and I got one from John in New Ulm. He says, I saw one turkey walking through Dad's yard and one sandhill crane at the end of the block by his dad's house in Andover. He said also two red cardinals by his bird feeders. Reporting live from New Ulm and for KMSU, this is John. Back to you, Karen. <laughs> live in the studio. Well, you know. <laughs> so that's our good friend, John. And Thank you, John. <laughs> and Jeff in Janesville said, adhesive remover, not alcohol. He says, been there, done that. Jeff in Janesville. And yes, there is enough of a difference between the alcohol and the different chemical <laughs> that the adhesive remover has in it. Well, that was just one thing that, you know, I, I that my husband suggested for another thing. I just popped in my head. So thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. And then a question from Vern. Vern, and this is a kind of a made me laugh a little because I was just like, oh, that's interesting. If mockingbirds mimic other birds, how do they find a mate? Yeah, that's. It, <laughs> I, I need. Uh, and before I forget, thank you, Jeff. And I use Gugon. Ah. And mm-hmm. I. I I love used books, and sometimes they they have stickers that say, I got it for 99 cents. Yes. And that sticker is just, like, permanent. You get it off, and you have all that adhesive, and I use Goo Gone, and uh, I really have good luck with it. I know there's all kinds of home remedies, but I found this the best for me. Yeah, Vern, that's a great question. You know, mockingbirds do mimic other birds, and that's right. How... The thing is, they have their own simple calls, <clears throat> and they so they use other calls and sounds that they can mimic. Uh, I, the first time I ever stayed in Florida, I think I stayed in, uh, oh, I don't know how to describe it. it. It was clean and nice, but it wasn't uh, the Hilton or uh, any of those kind of fancy places it was like uh, they used to have those little things along the highway where you could just drive in there and a little 
there were nice places to stay, and I stayed there. And there was a mockingbird outside that sang during the night. And he did a great impression of car alarms and squeaking gates. And he made a sound that took me a long time to figure out what it was. It was a little bit of the chain that was holding the flag in place on a flagpole. And he was doing a little bit of that. And I know a lot of people have heard him mimic cell phones, oh. ringtones. <laughs> so they're amazing things. So a male may have several hundred phrases in his repertoire, although some will be in heavier rotation than others. It sounds good to him or it works best. And a typical song is probably, I don't know if it's equally divided. I, I think he does more of his own than mimic phrases. So he has mockingbird-specific vocalizations. So the first thing he does, he sets up his territory. So this is a good place. This is where I'm going to be. And then he advertises to the females that he's ready and an available bachelor. He does this by uh, singing this extensive song list. And he sings his little heart out. And he shows off these flashy wings day and night. And boy, I will attest to the night because he sang all night until a female hears him and says, what in the world is that? And comes over and sees are other birds fooled once in a while? I, probably so, but they've been evolving alongside one another for a long time. Female mockingbirds recognize that they're listening to a male mockingbird because he oh, he repeats his calls like up to six times before switching to a different call. <laughs> and it's, it's almost always three times. Brown thrasher males that we have here, they repeat themselves twice every time. Huh. Once she's there, the female, they'll have a period of testing one another. The male begin by jumping around the various bushes, shrubs, trees to show the female a good nest. Why mockingbirds mimic in the first place? I, you know, that's a good question. Do young mockingbirds learn their mimic phrases from an adult mockingbird or directly from the mimic species? I, I have no idea. But the females will be attracted by the the long repertoire, and apparently there's certain repertoires or certain singers that are more popular <laughs> with the females. So it's kind and of like on American Idol or America's Got Talent. There's there's a winner based on how they sound appeal. Yeah, or you know the Rolling Stones. A lot of us <laughs> can sing the Rolling Stones. <clears throat> but nobody finds it attractive. Or the Beatles, <laughs> with, they're just not attracted to our songs, which right. we think are wonderful. If you've ever been to karaoke stuff, right. you know that everybody gets up there. We think we're pretty good, but we're not. <laughs> and I shouldn't say we're not. Some are very good. But they, they, they're attracted to the sound, but then they come there and then they see the male because he's flashing those wings and just jumping around and playing the fool. So that's... That's how they find the mate. Uh, Jamie Townison of Clarks Grove sent me a photo of a Lincoln Sparrow. John Holt of Albert Lee sent me a photo of a Cooper's Hawk. Uh, Phil Sheridan says the sparrows have nested in the eaves under the peak of the roof on the side of the house for many years with no significant problem. The car is parked under an open car park 
on the south on the side of the house. The birds can fly through. This year, the birds have elected to land on the car and poop. They land on the mirrors and roof rails and poop all, over and over again. I go out at least three times a day to remove bird poop before <laughs> it etches the paint. There's always poop on the mirrors and roof and sometimes on the side of the car. Sometimes eight to ten spots. Any advice? Well, you know, they have car covers, I guess, would be the first. And I know it's a pain to have to put the car cover on and take the car cover off. But you're out there cleaning up the their droppings anyway, so this this would eat up maybe the same amount of time. So you're probably not gaining any time there. You could uh, put hang netting down on each end of the, of the uh, carport, and that would maybe discourage their flight over their car. I know there's something, we should have your husband here. It's methyl something, I don't remember the rest <laughs> of it. It's been approved by the USDA and the Food and Drug Administration, I believe. It's uh, And they always put those things on there, Karen, that says generally recognized as safe. I don't want the generally yeah, on that's... there. I want to say I want it recognized as safe. Take the generally off. So it's been. I know they've been using this bird repellent since the the 80s, and it's a derivative of grape. And garden stores and things have it. And I have to add, I've never used it, and I'm always kind of leery of things like that. But it's been around for a long time. So I I hope. You you can take down house sparrow nests, so if they get to be a real problem, they are not a protected species, so they're one of the few birds whose nests can be destroyed. How about swallows? Because, you know, we always used to have them, uh, when you went in the barn door, under the, the eaves, just before you went in the barn door, and the swallows would build these giant mud nests, and you'd go in and you'd often get <clears throat> um, a gift. And so yeah. we never removed yeah. them, but because I, you know, it couldn't stand to hurt the baby birds, but are they a protected species and could you remove them if they, it was bad? They are a protected species. They are? Really? I, yeah. Oh, I did not Some know that. People, we had them over, a neighbor had them and was just, they were driving her nuts, I guess. So I put up some, uh, that plastic cling where they nest. Mm -hmm. So then their mud nest wouldn't stick to it. So then they went somewhere else. Oh. And I'm sure if you spray some stuff like maybe, I don't know, oil or WD-40 probably, it's, then they wouldn't be able to, nothing would adhere to it. But it worked really well with a plastic cling. So huh. if you see them where they're starting to build something, you can do that because you can prevent them from nesting. It's just once they start nesting when you can't do anything. So, uh Let's see. Dean Musing said, I have something removing my suet feeders. I believe it may be a raccoon as a culprit, but one of your expertise. Whatever it is, taking it off the shepherd's hook. I've lost three so far. Yeah, it's, those, are, those are raccoons, or at least in my yard. And they take them. They put one up in a tree. It's still out here in the crotch of a tree that's up quite a ways. They carry them off in the woods. Once in a while I find them when I'm out there wandering around, but I'm sure it's raccoons. They are just... And I was... Um, 
whining about that last year with a friend, and he lives up north, and he reminded me that he has bears doing things to his feeders. So I really couldn't complain about my raccoons anymore, but they're very good at doing that. Uh, Vicki Laroon said uh, she sent me some of her favorite signs of late spring, beautiful wildflowers that she found on the Red Jacket Trail. And she said, simply thrilling, and I couldn't agree more. Today she sent me a wonderful photo of a ruby-crowned kinglet. And they are one of my favorite birds, and I know I have a lot of favorite birds, but I love ruby-crowns. And we talked a bit about Eloise Butler Wildflower and Bird Sanctuary. It's in the, within the Theodore Worth Park in the Twin Cities. Uh, Cat Baumtrog had a red-necked grebe in Blue Earth County. Uh, it's on Lura Lake. I'm going over there next week to lead a bunch of fourth graders around and looking at things. So maybe it'll be kind enough to stay there. Uh, Cindy Drill of North Mankato said, I reported that the juncos had left my yard on the 12th. As one appeared now on April 29th. A uh, white-throated sparrow, been rationing my feeder fillings a bit due to constant influx of starlings and more recently grackles, but I don't want to miss any new arrivals. Carl, and I'm going to say Youngbluth, J-U-N-G-B-L-U-T-H, it says, just when you think you have seen it all, we have a bluebird chasing its reflection at our south-facing windows, just like robins, cardinals, and orioles are known to do. He is very brave at the window, singing softly, and he doesn't fly off even when we're nose to beak. He needs to be chasing house sparrows off what appears to be their favorite box. So far, I have an old shower curtain hanging in front of one window and some screens in front of another, even though the windows aren't designed to have screens on the outside. We'll see if that works. Well, I <clears throat> I hope it does. Like. I mentioned you can soap up the windows, you can put plastic cling on there that kind of distorts the image, so some things will will work. And uh, I'm hoping he doesn't, you know, he only, I hope he only spends a bit of time, because he's got other things to do. He doesn't need to be fighting with himself all the time. Uh, Rick Mammel of Albert Lee saw a hawk perched in the bird bath. 10 feet from the windows in our computer room. I think it was an immature sharp and hawk, quite surely the same hawk I mentioned earlier. I, I doubted it's as large as a crow, but as difficult as that species is to ID correctly, given how similar an immature Cooper's hawk is. As both remain similar, even as adults, I considered how small it was, so I think it's a sharpie. And uh, he had a neighbor who just reported a hummingbird. So uh, I have not seen any of those either. I'm going to tramp around today and hope I find one, but I've not seen any yet. And uh, But there is one somewhere in Albert Lee. Uh, a Smith Longspur seen in Blue Earth County by Chad Hines. Brian Smith saw a white-rumped sandpiper in Fairmont County. John Schladweiler saw a cattle egret on Linden Lake, that'd be in Brown County. And Brian Smith saw a cattle egret in Fairmont County. 
Dan Allman saw a cattle egret in Martin County. Wayne Fetter saw a Smith Longspur in Faribault County. Dan Allman saw a Smith Longspur in Martin County. And Bob Williams saw a LeConte Sparrow in Mauer County. Bob Williams uh, stopped at the house here, and we came in and talked smart for quite a while. I've known Bob for many years. <clears throat> And he uh, he came here not so much to see me, but to see the summer tanager in my yard. So he did see it, and then he was going off. He's a uh, retired guy now, and he's a full-time birder and an excellent birder. And right after Bob left, I got an email with a photo from a friend, Lori Adams in Geneva, who uh, was at her mother's place, and there's a summer tanager at the suet feeder there also. A uh, listener says, how many sports teams have bird nicknames? Oh, gosh. I I couldn't make even a, a decent guess. I think birds and members of the cat family have the most names, <laughs> teams named for them. You know, lions, tigers, that sort of thing. Right. And then all kinds in the, well, let's go. In the Major League Baseball is what, St. Louis Cardinals, Toronto Blue Jays and Baltimore Orioles. Those are the three. But there's and more the in foot. There's a lot more in football. <clears throat> cats. There are. Yeah. The NBA has the Toronto Raptors and the Atlanta Hawks and the New Orleans. Well, they're the Pelicans, I think. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and the NFL. What all that they have? I know the Arizona Cardinals. And I know the Baltimore Ravens because the mascots are named Edgar Allen and Poe. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Atlanta Falcons, and Seattle Seahawks. There's no such thing as a Seahawk that I'm aware of. So they have an auger buzzard as the live (laughs) mascot. And the NHL... Yeah, a lot of you probably know us better. I think there's an Anaheim. I don't think they're the Mighty Ducks anymore. I think they're just the Ducks. And then I'm sure there's the Pittsburgh Penguins. There might be more. Uh, the Toledo Mud Hens, that's a minor league baseball team. that was. I think it was made famous by Max Klinger, played by Jamie Farr in the show MASH. Because mm. when he wasn't wearing dresses, he wore a... Uh, <laughs> Toledo mud hen shirt or hat. Um, there's the Rochester Red Wings, I remember. Uh, it was Idaho Falls Chuckers. Oh, boy. I've seen the Sioux Falls Canaries play baseball. <clears throat> oh, I know. One of my favorites, I was out in Ohio, and the, the baseball team was the Akron Rubber Ducks. So I'm going to say that's a bird. Uh, I was working out at Cape May, and there were the Delmarva shorebirds. I think it was Delmarva. Um, boy, Delaware Blue Hens, a college team, I think. And the Oregon Ducks, of course. And the Virginia Hokies, they're pretty good in basketball. So you see this turkey running around on the floor because it's a mascot because nobody knows what a Hokie is. Mm-mm. Uh, I got to mention Iowa, Herky the Hawk, and Louisville's mascot is Louis the Cardinal. I think my favorite mascot maybe of the birds is the Miami Hurricanes. 
it's hard to how do you dress up somebody to look like a hurricane so they have <laughs> sebastian the ibis oh, funny. and that's a mascot because folklore maintains that the ibis is the last to take shelter before a hurricane and the first to reappear reappear after a storm and i wish the u of m uh, gophers would become the marsh hawks, maybe. <laughs> I think that would be yeah. nice. Or even the minks. Oh. Minnesota minks. And then they wouldn't have a 13 line ground squirrel as a mascot. And I know a lot of people call those striped gophers, but it just it just doesn't seem gopher-like to most people. So I think the minks or marsh hawks would just be wonderful. See, Al, uh, since yeah. you've been talking, we've got more more uh, text from people with questions or observations that they want to share with you. So I'm going to do that, if you don't mind, before we run out of time. Perfect. This is from Perfect. Deb. Deb says, hi, Al. I put my gourd wren house out yesterday, my first, or May 1st, LOL, wink, wink. I'm wondering, because remember you said that's when that they would come out. Uh, I'm wondering yep. if you have any suggestions for ideal locations. I hung it on the lilac bush last year, like other years. They built the nest but never used it. So I shook all the sticks, etc., out and put it in the same spot because it has been successful there before. Yeah, and when it comes to wrens, I don't know. You know, we had them nesting in a coat, uh, well, not a I can't remember if it's a big coat on a clothesline. They nested in uh, my mother's clothespin bag once. <laughs> uh, they nested in a, uh, a neighbor, Bruce Armstrong. They nested in uh, oh, the wheel. I, I don't even know. I should the axle of his pickup because he hadn't been using it. They nest in mailboxes. I put one out here, and it just it hangs by a long string, so when the wind blows, it will go around and around in circles, and then just like a tire swing that we had when we were kids, it, it'll uh, go the other way, and they nest in there every year. They wow. love it. You'd think it'd be the worst place on earth. They, they nest in full sun. They nest in shade, Deb. They just, I don't know. There's... Um, they just nest wherever they want, places that you wouldn't think. Uh, people will put out some uh, sort of decorative things in the yard, and one ends up house rents. The male will throw the sticks in a, wherever he can find a hole, and he'll throw a bunch of sticks in there. And then the female will come along and say, that's the place there. <laughs> throw his crap out and put hers in there. Really? So. <laughs> yep, so you'll see a lot of dummy nests because the male comes and he doesn't, he wants to take over that territory. So he's going to throw <laughs> sticks and all these things to let other wrens and other birds know that this is this is taken. He's put a down payment on it, you know, just go somewhere else to look for your house. So does he not so, put the sticks in a neat enough order that she's like, ah, this is bunk, I'm going to do it better myself? You know, I had a beautiful ham's beer clock when we were married and I hung it prominently on the on the wall and just it bubbled and it was so cool and then apparently somebody broke into our house according to my wife and <laughs> stole only one thing and it was that ham's <laughs> beer thing so it was kind of I thought it was kind of odd I said we better call the police and she said she would handle that but I don't know that if I don't remember police coming out and saying so you lost a ham's beer sign and yeah yeah 
So good luck, Deb, is all I can say. Well, here's another. We've got more. So John wanted to, John in New Ulm said, you forgot to mention the New Ulm Eagles, another bird sports name, which, of course. Yeah, and boy, I should have mentioned that right off because I, I have New Ulm Eagles in my family. Oh, well, there you go. And then he also commented, he said, mockingbirds mock because they have nothing else original to say. Yeah. And <laughs> Rich wanted to let you know that the Grosbeaks was in St. Peter where he saw that because uh, he didn't initially say where that was. So now I can say that. Uh, Jeff and James will send me a picture to share with you. He says there's a bird in there. All I can see is the, the dashboard of a car and a lake. And he says enlarge it, so I don't know what that is. But I just want to do a shout-out to TJ, our friend TJ. Uh, he did a pledge. We had talked about earlier, if you are a person who listens regularly to the Albat show, to do a pledge, because we're in Pledge Drive. So if you are a supporter of Albat and KMSU Radio, it would be a great time to make a pledge, because as you know, Al, we're in Pledge Drive mode right now. You know, please help us keep doing this. It's like when the whole family has to go out and pick up the fallen sticks in the yard i don't know how many you're doing that now it's just it's never ending because a lot of them are broken off and they hang in the trees so i'm out there i pick them all up and i go back in and the wind blows and there's a whole new set of them out there so it's just a constant thing and you know if we get everybody to pitch in and get it done it's it's much easier and that's right. And TJ, of course, there, is a longtime listener and supporter of KMSU as well as Albat. And, you know, if there's anybody who is another naturalist, nature guy, it is Tom Jessen. He is the guy who has the the snakes. And he's got, he moved to St. Peter now. And I don't know if you've seen his Facebook, but he's just got all these great pictures of all the wonderful things he discovers in his backyard, such as the, the cool garter snakes and, and turtles and all kinds of things. And um, so we appreciate what he does in terms of supporting the uh, environment as well. Yeah, thank you, TJ. Uh, TJ is a swell guy. I'm just happy I know him. And uh, I am not a Facebook fella, but my <laughs> wife, wife is. is on Facebook. So I do get all of TJ's stuff, and I appreciate that very, very much. And if you don't know TJ, he uh, has many, many talents, one of which is he's a herp. Mm-hmm. He is just, uh, he's really into snakes and turtles and that sort of thing, and is just a wizard. Thanks, Al. It's always great to have you on, and we'll be back next week. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, everybody. I appreciate all, each and every one of you more than I could uh, put words to. Thank, bye-bye, Al. Bye-bye.